0: As we seem to be facing a few of them. We thank you that we can hold on to you. Your promise is that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Your promise is, is that you know what we face in this world because you've allowed it and that you promised you would give us the grace that is necessary to walk through it. And so we claim that today. We ask that as we look into your word today that we by your spirit would be more aware of your character and who you are. That would be more willing to say yes to you. To humble our hearts and our minds and our wills to your will. That you could use us in the way, the days, the weeks to come. That we would be able to make a difference for your kingdom in this community. So Father, by your spirit, speak to us. Touch our hearts. Minister to us. We pray that it's your word that we hear, not mine. We'll praise you for what you do in our hearts and our lives. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning as we look into the Word of God and study it together. And uh, I want to just say this morning as we start, thank you to uh, the folks, uh, John and Catherine and Valerie and our our team with the uh, audiovisual Thank you for all the effort that they've been putting in week in and week out. Things change uh, and are constantly in motion, and they have to keep kind of adjusting and working and flexing, and we appreciate that. Yeah, give them a round of applause. It's a lot of work, and we're asking them to keep doing it because soon, as you know, winter is coming, and we will be moving again, and we'll have to reset and figure that out again, and so Uh, We're just thankful for the group of folks who are so willing to be part and help. One other thing, I I mentioned it last week, and I'll keep mentioning it the next few weeks that we're together. Uh, You will be seeing on our website, on our app, uh, something called Rooted, and that is our campaign that we are going to be starting the end of September, and it will be for purchasing a building, which we have been already saving toward, and then COVID hit, and we had to kind of push off uh, the, the campaign and uh, we're going to get that started the end of the month and see what God does. So would you be praying the part that uh, and asking God the part that he would have you play in that and uh, preparing your heart? We'll spend a, about a month kind of talking together and and studying God's word together and just asking the spirit of God to lead us in uh, how we give toward that and what he has for us. And so I know some of you have been praying all summer about it, but would you continue And just ask God to lead us as we we head down that road the end of the month. We've been studying the whole story, and this morning uh, we're going to continue that, and we're going to be in the book of Esther. So if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, I'll be in the book of Esther this morning. And we're going to be talking about uh, without compromise. Now, there are two types of compromise when you think of the word. There is one type of compromise that it's making concessions. It's a good compromise. It's, it's when we work together. I'm kind of at a point here where I almost need my sunglasses and I almost don't. It's, it's a weird thing that's going on right here. So if I'm taking them on and off, you understand that when I take them off, I'm having a hard time seeing you. And when I have them on, I have a hard time seeing my notes. So there's a, it's just a thing going on here. So there's two types of compromise. There's a good type, which is concessions. It's, it's when groups of people figure out a way to work together, even though they see things a bit differently, even though they might look at things a little different, and, and but they have a common goal, and they figure out how to work together to make that common goal happen. That's one type of compromise. We saw that last week with Nehemiah, where Nehemiah grabbed a whole group of people who were living in a city that had fallen down, and he, he caused them to be able to work together. They compromised on some things, and they were able to work together for a common goal to, to finish a task. That's one type. Now, there's another type of compromise, and that's the one we want to talk about this morning. And that's when we make exceptions on truth. It's when we accept a lower standard. That's the type of compromise we want to talk about this morning. And we want to talk about without compromise, living a life not willing to compromise on truth. Now, this happens in different areas of life. Uh, I read a story one time about a building inspector who had compromised on the standard that he was supposed to hold some builders to. And it was a very large apartment complex. And because he didn't hold them to that standard, he let them off. And actually, there was some money that passed hands in the middle of all that. That when an event happened and the building got shaken, it came down. And it killed a whole bunch of people because he compromised on the standard that had been set for safety. And we want to talk this morning about the fact that God has a standard set. It's already been set. It's his standard. And that standard is not something that you and I get to look at and go, well, I like that part of the standard, but I don't like this part. I like how God is gracious and merciful. I I like that part of truth. But I don't like his justice, and, and I don't like the fact that there is a price to pay for sin. There's consequences for sin. I, I don't like that part. God doesn't compromise on his standard. He doesn't look at you and I differently. He sees all people everywhere exactly the same. And the standard that God has set in the scripture stays true from Genesis. And that's why we're talking the whole story. What God started in the book of Genesis completes in the book of Revelation. And those standards, those truths never change all the way through the Bible. Someone has said a long time ago that standards or truths or principles are like a lighthouse. And we can, we can break ourselves against the lighthouse, the rock that the lighthouse is pointing out, but we can never break the standard. We can only break ourselves against it. And often that's what we choose to do when we begin to compromise on truth is we take the truth and we break ourselves. We break our integrity, our character, how we stand and and, and look in front of the community that we live in, how we stand for the character of God. We break it and make it less than God intended. And so this morning I want to talk to you about living Without compromise. And that's really what the book of Esther is about. Now there's a theme, if you were to look in your Bible commentary this morning, and I know a lot of you had them out this morning, you were reading them, of the book of Esther just to prepare for this morning. And when you were reading your your, your commentary this morning, you saw that the theme of the book of Esther is for such a time as this. The theme is is that God uses people for specific things at specific times. And and that's really kind of the overarching theme of the book of Esther. But that's not what we're going to talk about so much this morning. The book of Esther happens between Ezra chapter 6 and chapter 7. Esther would have been the stepmother to Artaxerxes, who was the king, while Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall. Remember, we talked about that last week. This morning, I want to look at two characters in the book of Esther, Esther and Mordecai. And like Nehemiah, who seemed to face an impossible task, these folks also were presented with something that seemed impossible. Nehemiah's task was rebuilding Jerusalem and reestablishing the worship and the activity of the city and making sure that the temple was used right and redeeming the good name of the people of God and the city of God. Well, Esther and Mordecai are going to be used by God to save the Jewish people Throughout the kingdom and the provinces represented in the kingdom from extermination. Remember, God is all about redeeming people, and that's the theme that goes from Genesis to Revelation. These two characters in this story that I want to focus on, Esther and Mordecai, let let's let the Book of Esther introduce us to these two these two characters. If you have your Bible, Esther chapter two verses five through seven. Mordecai, son of Jair, son of. Kish, son of a, he's a Benjamite. Here, here he is. There's a line of people that, that come before Mordecai. And what I want you to understand is that there's been two generations since they were taken into captivity. So Mordecai probably was born in the city. He probably grew up in it. It's all he's ever known. And his parents had been taken into captivity, forced into captivity. And so here he is. He's in exile from Jerusalem with the other captives when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took over Judah. And Mordecai was the legal guardian of his cousin Esther. That's the second character. Because she had no father or mother, the young woman was beautiful and extremely good-looking. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai had adopted her her as his own daughter. And so here's these two characters, they've been born into exile, it's all they know, okay? And that's important for you to grasp this morning. Because Mordecai was was born into exile, but somebody took some time. Once again, we have one of these characters, remember Josiah? the young king who took over, and somebody had taken time to pour into that kid's heart and life what truth, what the standard of right was. Well, the same thing happened to Mordecai. Somebody had taken time in the middle of captivity to pour into this young man this whole idea of who God is and what the standard of truth is, what's right, what's integri- what's living with integrity, what's having character. Somebody had poured that into this young man. During these days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, this is this is Esther chapter 2, verse 21. Now, I don't know what Mordecai's position was, but every day he went and he sat at the king's gate. Now, he was an official of some type. The Bible doesn't tell us what it is. But we know that that's where he spent his time and his energy was at the king's gate. He may have, Mike, he may have been head of security. I don't know. But he was at the king's gate. Every day. And he sat there every day. And he was stationed there every day at the king's gate. And I want you to think about this this morning. I want you to think about how important it is that you know what you believe. I want you to think about that for a minute. How important it is that you know what you believe. Say, Tim, how does... How do we go from telling this little story about Esther and Mordecai to how important it is? You'll see in just a minute that you know what you believe. See, we live in a day and age, folks, where it's all wishy-washy and flexible. And it's okay if you don't stand for anything. But it's not okay. Okay. It's okay if, if you go do your thing and, and you guys go do your thing and I go do my thing and as long as, as nobody's toes get stepped on and we all treat each other fairly with love, then everything's cool, right? How's that working out for us? Not very well. It's really important that we know what we believe and Mordecai knew what he believed. He'd been taught who Jehovah God was, and he knew in his heart and his life who he served. And it wasn't the king, by the way. It was God. It's really important that you know what you believe. See, these two people, Mordecai and Esther, who, who later become. spoiler alert, I don't want to tell you all that happens, but I'm going to, becomes the queen. But these two people, because of what they were taught, knew in their heart of hearts who God was and what they believed about God. And this is what they believed, that God, Jehovah, was the king, the Lord. He was the one who had control. He was the one who said yes and no in their lives. And they would, they would bow to, give allegiance to, give worship to, no one else but Jehovah. They knew what They believed. Do you know what you believe today? No, really, do you know what you believe? Do you know where your worship is pointed? Do you know who or what is getting your allegiance? Do you really know what you believe? Hey, if you're sitting here this morning and go, no, I don't, then look at where your heart goes. Look at where your energy goes. Look at where your effort goes. Look at what you get upset about. Look at what you really care about. That's where your allegiance is. That's where your worship is. These two characters knew what they believed. Let me introduce you to a third character in this this book. The third character, his name is Haman. Haman was also an official of the king. He was probably like the chief of staff. He had the king's ear. He was in the king's presence all the time. He could talk to the king whenever he wanted. He and the king were kind of best buds, they hung out a lot. And in his position, he loved people honoring him, he loved the power that came with his position. And what he would do is, as he walked into the king's presence and as he was on his way to the king, he would have everybody in the royal court bow to him as he went by. And Esther chapter 3, verse 2 says this The entire royal staff at the king's gate bowed down to pay homage to Haman because the king had commanded this to be done for him, but Mordecai would not bow down or pay homage. And if you read the story, you'll find that the royal palace and the people in the royal palace would say, hey, this is going to cost you. You've got to bow down. When he walks by, you need to. And Mordecai would go, no, I bow only to one king. That's God, Jehovah. Now, we could look at that and say, really, seriously? All it is is bowing your knee to a person. But you have to understand that in this day and age, this was saying that this is who I worship. This is it. This is the person I honor. This is the person I give my life for. This is it. Remember Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You remember those guys? They did the exact same thing because they understood what it meant to bow their knee to this king. Mordecai, he's like, nope, I'm not doing it. Because my allegiance and my heart is given 100% to the king of kings. That's who it is. That's what I will do. I will only worship the king of kings. Who do you worship? Who are you bowing down to? Haman gets really mad about this. I'm giving you the story in a nutshell. Haman gets really upset. Goes to the king and he says, hey, there's some people not respecting me. I want to do a decree that says that all those people who don't respect me, I can kill. Now, you think that's kind of crazy, but in this day and age, that's what happened. And the king says, stamp, fine, you're on, go for it. Well, all those people that wouldn't give him homage was really Mordecai, and and the people that Haman hated was all the Jews. And we could sit here and say... Haman, hey, I mean, Mordecai, look, if you'll just bow to Haman, then all the Jews get to live. Come on, man, just one guy bowing down. Why does it really, just you do it, everybody else is saved. And Mordecai would look at you and go, no, my king is God. And I will not worship anyone else. I will, I will give my life instead of worshiping any other god. What I want you to understand this morning is this, your life affects other people. Not only do you have to know what you believe, folks, but your life, the way you live your life affects a whole bunch of other people, and our willingness to compromise either affects people for good or for bad. Our unwillingness to compromise either affects people for good or for bad. And Mordecai takes a stand and he says, Look, I'm only worshiping God, and whatever the cost is, that's all I'm gonna do. Now, Esther had become queen, and so he goes to Esther, and he says to Esther, He says, Look, let me read it to you Esther chapter 4, verses 1 and verse 13. When Mordecai learned all that had occurred, he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and ashes and he went into the middle of the city and he cried, cried loudly and bitterly. Mordecai told a messenger to reply to Esther, Esther, Easter. Esther, you know who I'm talking about. Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. In other words, Mordecai says, look, if it's going to happen uh, to some of the Jews, it's going to happen to you as well, Esther. We're all going to pay a price because we will not bow ourselves to anyone else but Jehovah. Some of us have chosen to compromise on some little things because it's an easier road to take. Some of us have taken the word of God and we've looked at it and we said, well, that's not really what God means at all. He doesn't really mean for us to take a stand on killing unborn babies. He doesn't really mean for us to take a stand on how he views homosexuality or how we lie or how we cheat or how we live life immorally with someone that we're not married to, or all those standards that God has set. And we've chosen to compromise on all kinds of standards and say, you know what? God doesn't really care. Folks, how you choose to live out truth affects the people that you're living with. And when I choose to compromise truth and I choose not to make a stand for truth, guess what? The next generation that's watching me, they choose just a little bit more. And the slide starts, and off the slide goes. Oh, but Tim, it's easier. People don't get upset. Oh, yeah, they will. They're going to get upset about something else, so you might as well make it something good. You might as well choose truth, because they are going to be upset about something. God places people for his purpose of redemption in places that are extremely difficult, and choices are so hard to make but God promises his presence in the middle of it. And if you watch Mordecai and Esther's life, you're going to see that God shows up in ways that we just never could imagine. I want you to think about this, that Mordecai's choice not to compromise was not just about the extermination of the Jews. That's what Haman wanted, but that's not really what it was about. God looked ahead in time and realized that he wanted to place Nehemiah in Jerusalem to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, the temple, so that worship could be restored. And by Mordecai taking the stand that he did and Esther taking the stand that she did, not compromising, the next king, King Artaxerxes, saw that. He was a young boy. And he lets Nehemiah go to do God's work. Why? Because a guy way back here who sat at the city gate chose not to compromise. You might be sitting here this morning saying, Tim, hey, if I don't compromise, really, what's it affect? I'm a nobody. I'm just an ordinary, kind of normal person, kind of not normal, but I'm I'm just here. What is it? You don't know who it affects and what God's plan is in the future. You have no idea, but God does. But God does. Hey, look. The next thing I want you to catch out of this passage is this: someone will notice what you do. Someone will notice. See, Mordecai did something. Mordecai was sitting at the city gate, and he heard two guys talking about a fact that they wanted to assassinate the king. He's sitting. He's doing his job. He's where he's supposed to be, and he's sitting there, and he hears this little story or this event that's unfolding that these two guys want to assassinate the king and he says hey Esther these two guys want to assassinate the king she goes and tells the king the king goes checks into it finds out it's true so he takes the two guys and impales them on a post that's what you did back then one night the king couldn't sleep Esther chapter 6 verses 2 and 3 let me read it for you and when the king can't sleep he goes and he says hey go get the book of all the events that have happened in my life, and read it to me. And I guess it's so boring it puts you to sleep. I'm not sure, but it seemed to be what the king did. So in reading it, and he says this in chapter 6, they found the written report of how Mordecai had informed on these two guys, these two eunuchs, two eunuchs of the king, who had guarded the entrance that they had planned to assassinate King Ahasuerus. Then the king inquired, what honor or special recognition has been given to Mordecai for this act? And the king's personal attendants replied, nothing has been done for him yet. People notice. People are paying attention, even though you don't think they are. Well, about that time, it's early morning, and Haman comes walking in, and and the king says to Haman, remember, he's his chief of staff, or he's the next to him, and he says, hey, Haman, if I had somebody that I really cared about, I thought a lot about him, and I wanted to give a special honor to him, what would I do? And Haman's in his head going, hey, it's me. I'm the special guy. And he says, i tell you what you do. You put one of your robes on him and you take a horse that that he's ridden and everybody knows that he's ridden and, and you take your crown and you put it on his head and you ride him through the city saying, this guy gets the honor of the king. And the king goes, yeah, why don't you do that to Mordecai? That's what happened. Somebody notices. Hey, folks, there are people watching you right now how you're living your life. Oh, it may not be written down in the King's Chronicle of the events of his life. That may not be where it is. I don't don't know who that would be in the Oxford Hills anyway. But somebody's watching you. There's people in your family that are watching you every day. There are people that you work with who are watching you every day, and they're watching the choices that you make. And when they watch, they're making decisions about how they're going to live their life. And somebody's going to notice the choices that you make. In the same way that somebody had noticed the choice that Mordecai had made at the gate, they're noticing your choices. And it's going to affect their life. Somebody noticed. And that notice will lead to huge change in events. Maybe even in the town. Maybe in the county we live in. Maybe in the state that we live in. When we live without compromising the truth, God's work and God's will gets to be completed in us, in me. What are they noticing in you? Nehemiah said it this way at the end of the book of Nehemiah as he made his prayers about all the work that he did behind the scenes that nobody knew about, not about building the wall, but about reestablishing worship and making sure that the word of God was read daily at the temple the way it was supposed to be. And in his prayers at the end of Nehemiah, he said it this way, remember me, O God, for what I have done for this people. He didn't say, God, make me famous. He just said, God, remember what I have done for this people. Is that your prayer? You behind the scenes have been working for God and doing the things that God wants, and you're just saying, God, remember me. Remember what I have done for this people. Well, I want to move on in the story and tell you what happened to Mordecai. Haman had to do exactly what he said, what he told the king. And he took Mordecai and he put the garments. You can read it there for yourselves. He put the garments in him. He took him around the city, and he yelled at a loud voice. Haman had to do this. Hey, this is the guy that the king honors. But at the end of that, if you were to look at at Esther chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, there's a little phrase in there that I want you to see, and it says this. After all the honor was given, it says this. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. Don't let fame change you. Don't let honor change you. When you do something that's amazing for a group of people, don't let it change who you are. Mordecai lived without compromise, and because he knew who he worshipped, he knew who he was serving. It wasn't the king, it was God. He knew who he was serving. Then the moment the honor was over, he just went right back, and he sat back at the king's gate, and he said, this is where I belong. I'm a normal, average, ordinary guy. This is my post. This is my job. I don't deserve anything special from anybody. This is what I've been asked to do. Let me do it. And so often in our lives, when there is something of honor that is given to us, we want everyone to notice. We want everyone to know about it. We want everybody to go, look, I've climbed the ladder of success. And we change who we are. And God never asked us to do that. And because Mordecai was willing to live a life that was without compromise, he stayed the course that God asked him to be on. God used unlikely ordinary people, Mordecai, who sat at the gate, Esther, who was just a young girl who ends up becoming the queen, to be a major part in redeeming and saving his people. God uses ordinary people to carry out his redemption plan. He wants to use you and I, ordinary, everyday people, to carry out his redemption plan. Romans 8, 28 says it this way. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. When you read that verse, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be awesome. It doesn't mean that we always succeed. That's not what it says. It says that it works out for the good of God. His plan. And he wants to use ordinary people just like these two guys, these, this guy and this gal, who are willing to live without compromise to say yes to God, to know who they worshipped, and to honor him each and every day of their life. Hey, are you willing to be that person? You know what's interesting to me? Jesus did the same thing. Jesus, God who became flesh, and walked among us lived a perfect life on this light on this earth did some amazing things that people wanted to honor him for and if you watch Jesus life he kept walking away from the spotlight <laughs> Every time something amazing would happen, he would kind of disappear. He would kind of fade out of the spotlight. And then in John, when the, when, the, when the people come to him and say, hey, look, we'd believe if you'd show us just one more miracle. Jesus knew what that kind of honor and that kind of praise did in people's hearts and lives. And so he, without compromise, stayed the course. And he knew that he came to this earth to work out the Father, God the Father's plan. And that plan was to make a way that you and I, sinners, could be made right with God for eternity. And the plan of the Father was that his perfect son would pay the price for your sin and my sin on the cross. He would shed his blood, his body would be broken, so that we could have life. And Jesus... Served without compromise, worked out the Father's will and plan so that I, so that you could be free. Hey, I'm thankful. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. I noticed what Jesus did. Have you? And not only have I noticed, but I've accepted what Jesus Christ did for me. He paid the price for my sin. And I have humbled myself. And kneeled before God and said, yes, you are my Lord. You are my King. It is you that I serve without compromise. That's my goal, folks. Am I perfect? No. Do I blow it? Yeah. But my goal is to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords without compromise. How about you? This morning, we want to worship Jesus Christ with communion. And as you come in, you may have received a little communion cup. And uh, in the next couple of minutes, we're going to take communion. And we're going to say thank you to Jesus for walking on this earth, living out a life without compromise, following through the plan that God had for him. The same way Mordecai did and in, in the plan that God had for him and Esther did to help Saved the Jewish people so that actually that line could continue on and then Jesus Christ could be born. (laughs) That was the plan of God. And this morning we want to worship and celebrate by having communion together. Matthew says it this way, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take eat, this is my body, for this is my blood of of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins but I tell you I will not drink from this fruit on the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom so the, the broken cracker or wafer is a symbol of the fact that Jesus Christ allowed his body to be broken for our sins we drink the juice in remembrance of his perfect blood that was shed so that the payment of our sin could be made and this morning we want to honor Jesus Christ and we want to worship him by being by remembering what he did for us on the cross. And as Christ's followers the Bible tells us this that if there's sin in our heart between us and God or another brother that we need to pause before we do this. And we need to get that right. We need to we we need to apologize if that's what it takes. We need to humble ourselves before God and and make that right before God. Otherwise, we're making fun of what he's done on the cross for us. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet. Then this really isn't something for you because this is is us as believers in Jesus Christ, those who have given their heart and their soul to Jesus Christ, those who have realized they needed a Savior, someone to pay for their sin. This is our way of saying thank you. And it's a celebration to say thank you for all that you've done for us. So I'm going to pray at this point and as we sing this last song, go ahead and take the communion as you're as you're ready. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to look into your word. Thank you so much for the characters that are found throughout the Bible who stood for truth, who knew the standard and were unwilling to compromise, who said yes to you. Father, thank you for what we can learn from them and then for Jesus Christ and his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. Thank you for the payment for my sin. Thanks for saving me. Thanks for the new life that I have in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would be pleased with our worship as we take communion together this morning. In your name we pray, amen.